Welcome, friends, to another episode of 1PM. We're really excited to be collaborating with Becky from Becky's Notes, a UK-based resource to produce an infographic for our visual learners out there. Becky's Notes bring together all the key topics medical students need to know in a readily available place, reviewed by specialists in the field. You can check her out on Instagram at beckysnotes01 and support her at the links below. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of 1PM. We've got a very special guest presenter. No, he's not really a guest presenter. He is integral 1PM member, Jay. We've also got some guests with us. I'm Adian, in case you don't know who I am. JT is over there looking at me. Welcome. And we have a special MD2 guest today, Alex. Hi. Yeah. What are we talking about today, Jay? We're going to talk about croup. Take it away. So croup is only something you cover in MD3. MD3. But we want to show that as long as you have the right first principles, even if you're an MD2 or MD1 listening, you can also get by. Okay, what do we know about croup? There's another term that you can call. I know this is. I know this is laryngotracheitis. Is that right? Laryngotracheobronchitis. That's the one. I missed. That's, That's a really a long, very name. long name. <laughs> I got two thirds of the way there. All right. So, can anyone give me a definition of croup? That'll get hundred percent in your exam. <laughs> Good yeah. question. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't know, but I assume it's a cough of some sort. That's all I've got, sorry. How about the itis? What does that the mean itis. in tracheolaryngobronchitis? Inflammation. Of the? Larynx, the trachea, and the bronchioles, or bronchus? Well, the bronchi, not so much. I don't know why it's in the name, but... Oh, bron- really? Yeah. Um, oh. It's more of the upper airways. So mm-hmm. it's an upper respiratory illness characterized by a hoarse voice, barking cough, and stridor. The oh. clinical symptoms are a result of inflammation and narrowing up the upper airway. All right? Now we're gonna go through the anatomy and physiology of the upper airway quickly. So, where do we find the upper airway? JT, you love anatomy. You mean the Anki side? <laughs> Get in it. Uh, the upper airway is different to the lower airway. <laughs> there's, there's like and a the border. the cutting off point is, like I assume, based on the name. So the larynx is part of the upper airway, the trachea is part of the it's upper the, airway, <laughs> but not the bronchus. Thoracic. Yeah. Thoracic. Uh, Thoracic inlet. Inlet. There you go. Inlet. Thoracic. So. As JT said, that airway contains the larynx, the trachea, the glottic structures. So your subglottis, supraglottis, glottis, and epiglottis. So the boundaries of the thoracic inlet are ribs one and two, upper edge of the sternum, and T1. What can you tell me about the microscopic features of the upper airway? What does it contain? So from memory, you have um, in the upper airway, because there's a lot of mechanical damage, you want squamous Okay, let's epithelium? go a bit broader yeah. than squamous epithelium. <laughs> okay. um, you've got the ones that are in layers. You've got epithelium. Mecha- so you've got mucosa, submucosa. <laughs> yeah. yeah, mucosa, submucosa. Right. And then you have the C-shaped cartilage with the pars membranalis posteriorly, which contains the tracheolus muscle, which just mm. gives the airway its shape. Like this C and the line on the bottom, right? And what can you tell me about the receptors present in the upper airway? There's a specific one. Are these beta receptors? Alpha the receptors? Alpha receptors, mm. yeah. We don't have beta receptors in the upper airway, yeah. which we'll come to when we do the management. It'll click together. All right, so pathophysiology of croup, as we talked about, it's an itis, right? Yeah. So I'm going to put this question out to you guys. What starts off croup? Some sort of infection causing inflammation? Just Inf- infiltration of a virus into the upper airway, or it could be bacteria. Like usually, usually, usually viral, viral, usually viral. But it can be, be anything else, right? Yeah, it can be bacterial okay. as well. So, what does the body do when it detects a virus or some foreign body? Just kill it. Yeah, so it sends the artillery <laughs> so in. So shit. 
<laughs> it is first principle. It is first principle. I mean, you're not wrong. We're trying to make it as simple as possible. <laughs> it's not Robin's pathology. <laughs> and then, obviously, when th- when that comes in, yep. what happens? You get vasodilation and increased vascular permeability. Do you know why? Because you're trying to get as many white blood cells through there as, mo- as possible, maybe? Nice. No? I'll pay that. Give that. Yeah, yeah. As we know, the upper airway has a fixed diameter because of that cartilage mm-hmm. and the muscle uh, on the back. Yeah. Yeah. That's the why I went through it. Muscle? Yeah, that's why I yeah. went through it. Okay, I see. Um, it has a fixed diameter, and we, as we know, in kids especially, the airway diameter is a lot smaller than adults. Hmm. So it's like a quarter of the diameter. So if you have the same amount of blockage, you're going to have a higher resistance than a child's airway. Because hmm. the diameter, mm. the diameter is really small. Yeah, it's it's small. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, one inverse R to the power of yeah. four. Yeah, 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 yeah. that that yeah. formula. That, that yeah, formula. Yeah, 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 and also they're a lot more floppy. Okay, now Alex. I'm going to ask you this question because okay. you said you remember it. What uh, are some common causes of croup? Um, respiratory viruses. Um, Can it be more specific? RSV, maybe? Close. What's the other one that's quite common in children Is other than RSV? Also starts with R? Nope. Is it South and I? It starts with a P. Parainfluenza. Oh, Parainfluenza virus is the most common. I put the five most common ones you find in Australia, in Perth. I think JT, oh, well, JT, JT has done an Anki about yeah, this. So oh, what, yeah. are the, what are the five ones? Is R, Alex at RSV? Yeah. Looking for four more. Is RSV something syncytial virus? Respiratory syncytial virus. Syncytial, okay. All right. Paravirus? Parainfluenza? Okay, let's forget about Parainfluenza because that's the most common one. Looking for five others. Oh, so oh, five, five others. In addition, uh, in addition yeah, to five oh others. Compared. Rotavirus? That's gastrovirus. Rhinovirus, yep. Adenovirus. Adenovirus. One that causes a rash with white spots in oh. your mouth. It's quite contagious. Oh. It's quite, it's very oh, contagious. You, no, yeah. it's, 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 it's you're vaccinated against it. You've been vaccinated against measles. Oh, oh shit. Measles. Measles. <laughs> measles. I was like, what? What, it's still common? No, it, it, it causes it. Like, uh. like we saw, I had a kid in ED who had measles and ah, he had yes. because of it. So I put it in here. Ah, like, yes. you should never forget. This is a red flag, right? Yeah. I think you should always have measles in, in the your back mind. of your head. You're and there's one more. COVID. No. Hey, sure I think that's... COVID in 2023 is It doesn't COVID. cause croup there for some reason. I'm not uh, really sure why. It's like... It causes MI. Echo. 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 Because it's like too echo, lower. Echo. Echo. I don't know. Echo. Echo. Echovirus. <laughs> That's an echovirus. Echovirus. Yeah. How's in the top five? News to I have no idea. I just did what I just pulled off. Pulled off um, PCH guidelines and RCH guidelines. It's like ECHO virus. Echovirus. Like maybe it's ECH. just Perth. Like not yeah, it's just Perth. Guidelines. But like obviously. we're international podcast. We're international. <laughs> the most common cause of group in India. <laughs> TB. <laughs> okay. Um, we're gonna <laughs> so th- that's that's your viral causes, right? Yeah. Now let's go yeah. into bacterial causes. Haemophilus influenza, surely. Okay. Yes. It's but. not common. <laughs> but 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 doesn't exist but, anymore. But, 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 but. You what, don't know it. Does. What is another name for a bacterial croup? It's quite important. Bacterial croup. <sighs> yeah. Jeez. What's the name for it? It's bacterial tracheitis. Ah. Uh, uh. Yeah yeah yeah. So you can have diphtheria can cause a bacterial tracheitis, but obviously it's rare now because of DTP, mm-hmm. diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis vaccine. Um, and it, this bacterial group commonly occurs due to a secondary infection after a primary viral infection more than a bacterial infection by itself. Makes sense. So most common causes of a bacterial tracheitis. Number one, this is the answer to every single question when they ask you, what is the most common cause? Streptococcus pneumoniae. <laughs> what? Staph aureus? Oh, really? Staph aureus? Staph aureus? What? For kids? 
Yeah. Staff Wars for kids. Yeah. Number two is Streptococcus pneumoniae. Yeah. Number three. Haemophilus influenza. Haemophilus influenza. And number four is Moraxella catarrhalis. Yeah, my favorite one. But Alex said Haemophilus influenza, and Jakey said that it's rare. Why? Vaccinated. Vaccinated. But obviously, we have anti-vaxxers on the rise, so we want to keep an eye out for that as well. Okay. So you're an ED. It's 3 a.m. You go to see a kid with an illness and a cough. What features on history would make you think this is croup? Uh, a barking cough. What does a barking cough mean? Cough that sounds like a bark. Give us a bark. I don't, I don't want to blow up yours yet. You have a dog, right? What kind of bark is it, though? Is it a dog bark? It's a dog bark. A cat bark? It's a dog. Is it a seal? Not a, it's a seal. It's a seal. It's a seal oh, bark. Damn it. You should own a seal. Well, not going to lie. <laughs> sorry. But when I heard the croup cough, it didn't sound like a seal bark. It just sounded like a very harsh, oh. painful cough. We about some YouTube video of a seal barking. Yeah, it's Rachel's job. It, yeah. it doesn't. It actually doesn't sound like a. And compared bark. to an actual kid. <laughs> okay, the, put a dog one as well. Nah. But before the yeah. barking cough, there's yeah. one like Stridle. trigger, like trigger sentence. Strider. Yes, that's a feature. But there's like a trigger thing that will make you think, oh, this is a croup. Like a before you even see the child. Oh, not a, not a symptom. No, it's not a symptom. It's like a feature on history. Recent they, viral illness. Yeah. So you have like a prodrome mm. of a viral illness. What does that mean, Alex? It's like a series of symptoms slash signs. What kind of symptoms? Like pathognomic symptoms? It's like chorizal symptoms. Oh, so like okay. runny nose, fever, sore throat sort of thing. Adian mentioned stridor. Yeah. Mm. And is it inspiratory or expiratory? It's inspiratory stridor. Can you explain to me why it's inspiratory stridor? Because there's both eyes in inspiratory and stridor. No. Well, yeah, probably. And we yeah, super that's, exceed that's, that's, that is. But I, I, want the, I want the physiology. <laughs> that's my little trick. I remember. It's probably not useful. Remember this very clearly. Tell me if I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong. I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll see. So if it's an upper airway obstruction, in mm-hmm. the sense that it's above the thoracic inlet, when you inspire, when your lungs expand, you mm-hmm. compress the upper airways because of negative pressure. So that exacerbates the obstruction, causing the inspiratory stridor. Is that right? Close. So when you're... So... Yeah. He said that there's a negative pressure, right? The negative pressure... So is, it, is it in the airway or is it somewhere else? The negative pressure is generated in the airway. To the thorax. Like, the negative yeah, pressure, yeah, because yeah. the air has to come yeah, in yeah. from outside, But then right? doesn't that, like, suck? Like, yeah. Sucks so, your, your so, airways closed yeah. a bit? So basically, yeah. when we want to breathe in, we have a higher pressure in the atmosphere and lower pressure in the chest, right? Yeah. We want to get air in. So have the, it flows from a high concentration yeah. to a low concentration, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happens is as the high pressure air comes in, it sucks the airway closed. Uh-huh. And then when you breathe out, your thoracic pressure is higher than the atmospheric pressure, right? So what that happens is it opens up the airway as the air comes out because it's high pressure to low pressure, right? Mm. It's going to open the airway. There's another symptom I'm looking for, mm-hmm. and yep. it's quite pathognomonic for upper airway inflammation. Wait, another symptom? Yes, another symptom. Or it could be a cough. sign as well. Cough. Yeah, we already talked about the barking cough. Oh, yeah, cough. Mm. Cough. Strido. What if I told you the voice sounds a bit Oh, off? horse. Horse voice. Horse voice. Can I want, Alex, yeah. can you explain why they get a horse voice? It's it's because of the inflammation. Okay. <laughs> it's a real, what really structure basic. would the inflammation have to extend into mm-hmm. for you to get a horse voice? Ah, the first principles. First Surely. Principles. Mm. Remember all those? Glottis. Yes, yes the vocal so. cords, yeah. the glottis, yeah. So you basically want to get, well, you don't want to get, but the, infl- the inflammation mm. extends into the glottis, you get a horse voice. Mm. Mm. And fun right. fact, every kid I've seen in the croup so far has a horse voice. Is that is that something that like the parents will usually say, oh, he's just, like they've been sounding You could different. ask that or you could also watch the kid talk. And there's one more really important question you always want to ask to rule out a differential, which we'll come to later. Are always. you an anti-vaxxer? 
vaccination status, right? Yeah. And that's quite important because that's yeah. going to change what's causing. Don't ask like that. Sorry. I was just. Yeah, he's an anti vaxxer. <laughs> <laughs> We're moving on to examining the child. As we all exams, start with general observation. And especially in pediatrics, it's quite important. All right, Alex, go for you. Lead us off. Go for <laughs> you. General observation. What what's the first thing you do when you walk into the room? The patient looks really distressed, usually. Look at them, right? <laughs> How do you know this child, oh shit, I need to get this child a resource now mm-hmm. versus I can take the history. Have, have you guys heard of the AVPU scale? So I'm like, I look at the patient and I'm like, hey, whatever your name is. And if yeah. they respond to me, I know they're alert. Okay. So yeah, it's yeah. alert, voice, pain, unresponsive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. If there are anything below V, so pain or unresponsive, you could take them to resource straight away. But uh, I think the AVPU is mainly for kids, yeah? It's mainly for kids, yeah. yeah, okay. it's yeah. That's why I wanted yeah. to put it in here. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. good. All right. right. Because in adults, ALS. you would do a GCS. Yeah. GCS or ABCDE or whatever. Yeah. yeah, that's what you just see in your OSCEs. But yeah. just to make that clear. Okay. And Alex, you were talking about something else after? So I said several things. <laughs> yeah. Can you go through those again? Um, see if they're well. How do you know if they're well? Um, usually if they're like crying or if they're smiling still, if they're smiling still, they're fine. But if the person looks like, if the child looks like they're whimpering or wincing every time they breathe, you know, that person's not quite right. And just saying we haven't touched the kid yet. We're just yeah. eyeballing yeah. the kid, right? Yeah. Anything else you can talk about? Um, like signs of, I mean... After you look at the general appearance, mm-hmm. maybe like looking for signs of extra work of breathing, okay, like we'll JT said. We'll later, later. Yeah, we want to look at color. Color, yeah. Color, any modeling. Mm-hmm. You know what modeling is? See, in my ma- mind, I, I know what modeling yeah, is. Yeah, like heterogeneous color. It, but but I, I, I've never but seen it on a kid. It's just like. It's like, is it different colors, yeah, shades, on shades the skin? Like I've seen a few kids look gray. Yeah, it's like different color. And then you also have pallor. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. And then that was going to have the obs on the side there as you walk into the room, right? Sure. Yeah. So you sure. want to look at the yeah. blood pressure. Te- yeah. ta- the hooked up to monitoring, sure. Yeah. Blood pressure, yeah. heart rate, O2 sats. And this is before you touch the child. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. you're still at the end of the bed. Yeah. As Alex said, you look for signs of increased work of breathing mm-hmm. yeah. or distress. Yeah. What are the signs of increased work of breathing? Oh, actually, I forgot to mention. Uh. If they're bradypneic, which is slow breathing, this is bad. Why is that bad? Oh, they're fatigued. They're fatigued. They can't nice. breathe anymore. So they're going to go into respiratory arrest any, anytime soon, right? So get them through us straight away. Call for help. Yeah. And also hypertension is a very late sign in a kid. Go on, Alex. Sorry to disturb you. You look at the ribs and see if there's like, I can't remember the name of it, but like you see that like the thorax is like contracting you can see the ribs when they're breathing um, like this, intercostal I'm recessions yeah yeah, yeah that's the word intercostal yeah. and yeah, there's nice. one more we're looking for like the tracheal no, the, no, just no, no, no. still in recessions so oh subcostal subcostal so subcostal intercostal recession okay you said tracheal tug abdominal breathing and there's one more which is something you're like oh shit this is not croup they need to go somewhere very quickly tripoding tripoding Tripod. what oh. is tripoding she's oh, doing yeah, it yeah, 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 nice. they have their arms nice. on their legs they're leaned forward and they're like breathing into the ground. Why do you think they do that? To recruit more accessory muscles? Yeah, accessory muscles. I um, mean, you, you use your pec, yeah. pec and your, um, what are these called? Traps. Traps and scaly, they use the scaly muscles as well. And that opens up their upper, because they look down, it opens their upper eyeway up. But this is more, more commonly than something else, which we'll come to later. Now, we auscultate. What are we listening for when we auscultate? What do you want to hear? You want to hear the breathing. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd oscillate over the lungs. A little bit more specific. Oscillate. You have two lungs, right? Yeah. And you compare it from side. What do you compare both sides to see if you have equal air entry on both sides? Air entry is the main thing. Absence of air entry is bad. So looking for air entry. Do you also oscillate over the throat or no? Don't have to. You can usually hear the strider without a stethoscope on. Yep. That'd be under your general observations. Like as you walk, as you walk in, you hear. You you hear strider. Could be. But 
the caveat there is it can be at rest yeah. or on exertion. Okay. Now, give me some push-ups. <laughs> give me some push-ups. <laughs> now let me listen to your Usually chest. you'd make the kid walk around the room and then you'd be able to hear the stridal. So examination, look at general obs. Yeah. Our poo in all kids because it's a pediatric scale. Mm-hmm. We check the obs. We check if they look well. So that color, temperature, all of that stuff. And we look for signs of increased work of breathing. Okay, now we're going to look how to assess severity of croup. Because it informs management, it's quite important. To Wait, is, there a, is there a scale? There is a score. It's not a score. It's not a score. It's not a score. It's just Wesley. It's, it's Wesley. Wesley. Yeah, but you don't really use Wesley yeah, in clinical practice. Yeah. That's Anki. Yeah, that's Anki. <laughs> <laughs> so, he knows. you have mild, moderate, severe, and life-threatening uh, obstruction. My favorite kind of scale. Life-threatening. <laughs> yeah, life-threatening. Yikes. If I tell you that most cases of croup are mild. Can you tell me what you want to look out for to classify some kid as a mild case of croup? Is it breathing stuff or is it something else? It's just symptoms. So they just got a inspiratory strider at, at absence of strider. They usually have don't have strider. Don't have oh. strider. Don't have strider. Mild. They so have one thing, up just one positive symptom. A hoarse voice. Barking cough, actually. Oh. So cough is the... Like one of the first things? The, one of the first things is the presence of the RT, okay, the yeah, viral yeah, infection, yeah. prodrome. prodrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you get the cough, then cough. you get the strider. Gotcha. And it goes and gotcha. goes. Gotcha. And they're usually normal behaviors. They're alert, they're interacting, they're, they're their normal selves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But most parents, we know, they're quite worried about their child. They're going to bring yeah. them into ED. So this is the most common type of croup you see. Right. Mild. Mm-hmm. Mostly mild. Anxious parents. Anxious parents. Okay, now we're going to moderate. Mm-hmm. Right? So we have the barking cough. Yep. What else do we need to add on to make it a moderate episode of croup? Strider on exertion. Rest. Oh. Rest <laughs> rest and exertion. Okay. Both. Yeah, yeah. Strider rest. And exertion, but it's usually a mild strider. Mild strider. But the caveat here is, do you think the severity of strider correlates with the actual level of obstruction? No. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Oh. <laughs> I remember that slide very clearly. It doesn't. So no matter how bad the strider is, it doesn't, the child can be well. Mm-hmm. You know? He doesn't look convinced. No, I, it is. It is. I'm just t- in my t- thinking face. Can you, you tell your face that? <laughs> 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 All right. So we have the strider, yeah. barking cough. What else? I think horse voice is lost, but you it's don't not. usually get a horse voice in moderate. It'd be like the work of breathing. Stuff. Work of breathing mm. stuff. So what kind of work of breathing are you going to see in the moderate? Yeah, in the moderate. Wait. So when does a horse voice come in? In the when the inflammation gets like it starts spreading. Uh. So that's severe, right? That's like severe. Mm. Also, that's what I just said. Horse voice is lost. I thought, come, you, I thought you meant up. in the moderate oh, no, no, scale. To come like, later, how, later. How, do you, how do you know my script? <laughs> no, because remember the three things that you told us was yeah, the yeah, barking yeah, cough, yeah. the uh, strider, and horse voice yeah. in that order. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's good. Okay, yeah. so mild sternal retraction plus or minus tracheal tug. That's a moderate. That's a moderate. Okay. And how would you describe the behavior of this child? Probably quiet, unwell. Mm, What's the pediatric that's term? That's more severe. Lethargy. Oh, really? They'd be like irritable. Oh, irritable. don't use that word though. Irritable or cranky? Or is it irritable for meningitis? Yeah, but they can be irritable in this. It sounds like some anky thing. No, 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 no. no. Surely you can use irritable. Well, like irritable is not pathognomonic for meningitis. It's not, but she was, whatever. Sure. Irritable or cranky or hangry or whatever. Mm -hmm. So like like not not a happy child. Not a happy child, Mm -hmm. but they're still interested in the surroundings. You can distract them with stuff, right? Yeah. Bring a toy or some bubbles with you. They'll look at the bubbles and whatnot. Gotcha, gotcha. It works. Okay, now we're going on to severe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's start off. Let's start off with strider. What kind of strider are you going to hear in this child? Expiratory strider. Or persistent. That's strider. like that's the last. The death. That's, that's, a, oh, death. Sorry, life. Uh, that's a death one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So death. persistent strider at rest. 
Yeah, yeah. Work with breathing, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to see? Everything. <laughs> yeah, pretty much every sign you can think of. So nice, it's just nice. it's got to be severe. Yeah. Blah blah blah, whatever. Yeah. And then you can also see three other things. Horse voice. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Three um, other things. Um, the behavior of the child. Behavior of the child. They, they're just lying. They're gonna be lying there, flat, using their whole energy to breathe, right? Aww. Would they be flat? They will be, be up, right? They'd be flat. As in like no, as in like that energy mm. would be flat. flat. Oh, but they would be lying flat, lying supine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Forty-five degrees. Yeah. Okay. So when would you say the tripoding? Usually that's more of a waiting room sign than a okay. cubicle sign. Uh huh. Mm. If you look, if you're going into ED, um, you'll also see drooling because they're scared oh. to swallow. Oh. Right? So it's going to come instructions out. really bad. Yeah, it's going to come out through the front. Right. You're going to see pallor and modeling. Those two are like dangerous signs as well because mm. the child's unperfusing uh, well, right? The peripheral. Peripheral perfusion is quite bad. Gotcha. And now we go into life threatening obstruction. Expiratory wheeze. So the. Oh, sorry. The Not ways. I got that wrong. That double stridal. Don't, don't yell at people, James. <laughs> just raising my voice when I'm yelling. That's, that's yeah. yelling. That's the definition of yelling. <laughs> JD's parents obviously didn't raise their voices at him. <laughs> just talking Cantonese, man. You just don't know. It's the same thing. So, expiratory stridal. Like, you get like, like a biphasic stridal. Okay. Which is bad. Yeah. Bad, bad, bad. What happens to the child if they're not getting oxygen in and carbon dioxide out? You mentioned it earlier, right? Wait, what was that? <laughs> Hypercapnic uh, res- respiratory acidosis. Okay, that's not a clinical sign we can pick up. Oh, <laughs> uh, hyperventilation. You're gonna look blue. Hi- hi- uh, yeah. Cyanotic. You're gonna look cyanotic, cyanotic, right? Okay, that's bad. And then, <laughs> bad. again, drooling, really bad. Drooling. And the last one mm-hmm. is like, oh shit. Right at me. <laughs> AMS, ultimate status, status, right? Decreased consciousness. So again, your AFP scale comes in. If they're at you, unresponsive, straight. You've got to take them to to resus. Yeah. Cold blue. Okay. So most cases of croup are mild. Remember that. And this is only like barking cough. You have very minimal stride or mostly stride or exertion. And they're usually normal behavior and no increased work of breathing. Your moderate cases are audible stride or at rest and exertion. Barking cough, and you have some increased work of breathing, and the child is still alert, but they're irritable, right? Now, in severe, you're gonna have persistent stridor at rest, a lot of increased work of breathing, you're gonna have drooling, pallor, and mottling. And in a life threatening obstruction, child can look cyanotic, they'll have audible stridor, and the most important one is an altered mental status. And that's where your AVPU scale comes in again. Yeah. Right? Now, how would you investigate croup? So a trick question, you don't usually do investigations for croup. Mm-hmm. It's a clinical diagnosis. But in saying that you can do some tests if you want to. Mm-hmm. So in terms of bloods, what do you think we can do? What can we do? Bloods? Um, what bloods are there? <laughs> <laughs> what bloods are there? Um, like a million? <laughs> like VBG? Biochemistry? Yeah, uh, and said VBG. You Maybe. said biochemistry, right? Yeah. It's close. VBG. What are you looking at the biochemistry? Like hypercapnia, hypocapnia. Like, but that's really late stage, hey? Yeah. So, you can do a BBG in severely ill children, but mm-hmm. I have never seen it being done yeah. mm-hmm. in my experience in the ED. Mm-hmm. But it can show some stuff, especially if a person is in respiratory distress. Mm-hmm. What kind of stuff do you think that is? All right, Alice can take a break. You, you do it. <laughs> yeah, do, 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 JT <laughs> brought it up before. Yeah, JT, JT is looking to the pH. Yeah, the pH. Uh, so, yeah. What, what do you think it might show? 
because the high CO2 yeah, then high shifts pH. that whole equation and then you get the low pH. So you get a respiratory acidosis, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And eventually, if you don't treat the croup, it can progress a respiratory failure. Type so 1 or type 2? Type 1 two. or mm-hmm. type 2. Why? Because the cutoff is like something on CO2. Okay, uh, let's think first principle. Why do you think we get hypoxemia and hypercapnia in croup? There is an issue with ventilation. Yeah, so you can't so, get air in, you can't get air yeah. out. So it just um, stays there, right? Yeah, and oh yeah, there's an issue with ventilation. Yeah. yeah. But usually you don't do a VBG. No one does a VBG. Not for kids. Not for kids. Not yeah. for kids. Yeah. So weird, isn't it? Adults, like everybody, like, this, this guy come in, chuck a cannula in, yeah, yeah. take all the bloods from him. Yeah. Kids looking septic? Nah, nah, fine. <laughs> Recess. Okay. You said you mentioned imaging, right? Yeah. What imaging would you do for this? Chest X-ray. Okay, but would you do it for all children? No, only the pretty question. <laughs> <laughs> so you only do it for the kids who are admitted for to ICU. Always admitted to ICU. Okay. Right, and there's a classic pathognomonic sign of croup on a chest X-ray. Oh my god! What so is a pathognomonic sign of croup? It's called the steeple sign. Ah, oh, the old, I remember that radiology, robot, steeple robot. sign. Yeah. Robot. Sorry, I didn't attend your lecture. Steeple so. sign, so oh. do we know what a steeple is? Like a thing at a church. The thing on the top of the church, the pointy thing at the top of the church. Your upper airway looks exactly like that on x-ray. Cool. All right, yeah, so, and if you want a picture of that, it's on the Notion. Check all out 1pm.wiki. Audio listeners. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now we move on, as always, to management. Right, so the first thing we're going to do is principles of management. Love it. Which is... Patient oh. education. Patient education. Okay. So, how do you think we decide what management to give a child? Depending on its severity. Mild Depending on the severity. Or death. Okay. <laughs> Pretty easy to manage death. So, principle is you treat according to clinical clinical severity, right? Yeah. There is one medication across the board that all cases of croup get. Or one class of medication. Dexamethasone. Steroids. Steroids. Glucocorticoids are steroids, right? And dexamethasone, as Adian said, um, is first line and it's preferred. There are two reasons why. Can anyone tell me the two reasons? Because you don't have to inject it. Nah. You can inject dexamethasone. Yeah, you can. Do you know your first principles of steroid? Of steroids. Um. Did you listen to the Cody Coin episode? Caught out. (laughs) (laughs) That's the same reason, right? No, it's not all steroids do. It's not. I haven't watched the Quina Syndrome episode yet. I don't think you're right. Oh, you don't know. I think you're back. I don't know. No, anti-inflammatory. No, no, but no. There's there's a reason why. Why Dex instead of like Pred? Yeah. Why why would you pick Dex instead of Pred? Fast acting. More selective. I don't know. Alpha. Ah. Are you kidding me? Go on that. What do you mean by more selective? That's all I've got. Sorry, (laughs) sorry, Chief. Related to the anatomy of the. So when you have a glucocorticoid, it can act as a mineralocorticoid or a glucocorticoid. Oh, Jesus. So DEX acts as more of a glucocorticoid (laughs) than a mineralocorticoid. Yeah. Right? That's reason one. Reason two. What's the significance of that? You get get less side effects. You don't want the mineralocorticoid effect, you want the glucocorticoid effect. Because the glucocorticoid effect is anti inflammatory. Oh, really? PRED does both. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah, Yeah. DEX does only one. What's the mineralocorticoid do? That's your blood pressure. Oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> we should yeah. have an episode on steroids. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, there's one more reason why you pick Dex over Pred, or any other steroid for that fact. Nebulize it? You can nebulize it, but that's not the reason why. Oh, okay. Mm. What do you do when you give a steroid, like a Pred, what do you need to do in the long term? Wean it? You need to wean it, so you give like a three-day course uh, of Pred, but a Dex is only a one-off dose. Short acting. Yeah, short acting. You only need to give one dose of Dex versus three days of Pred. Just settle it. Yeah, ASAP. Obviously, you'd prefer the one-off dose, right? ASAP Rocky. Mm -hmm. Unless you don't have access to Dex. 
then you would give them prednisolone. Right. Okay. Right. But most GPs, paramedics, paramedics. usually give prednisolone. Because they don't have dex. They don't have dex. You uh, need to continue that instead of giving them dex. If not, you'll send them into adrenal crisis. Yeah. All right. So, and then you, as Adrian said, educate about group. You give them the fact sheet about group. In terms of nursing, you want to do hourly obs. Keep the patient comfortable. Because what happens if they're not comfortable and they're distressed? What's going to happen? Worsens the spiritual. They're going to get spasm of the vocal cords. Oh my gosh, spasm cords, right? So, how do you keep the patient not distressed? Keep them with the parents. Keep them with the parents. Play some videos. Yes, okay. Keep them, like, in a room. So, the way it works with kids is the parents get your vibe and the child gets the yeah. parents' vibe. So, if you appear, con- if yeah. you appear confident, the yeah. mom's going to be relaxed, the child's going to be relaxed. Yeah. It's very easy so to you, just be confident. So you yeah. don't give the stickers to the kid, give it to the parents. I'm sure they'll love it. So even if you're not confident, just puff your chest out. Be nice. Be, be a lobster. Have that full sense of confidence. It's very hard in medicine. Right. But Foster syndrome is very high. Obviously. But the more you do it, the yeah. better you'll get it. Mm-hmm. Makes right? sense. Makes yeah. sense. The last principle is a use of adrenaline. Yeah. And not salbutamol. Yeah. Why don't we use salbutamol? Ah, uh, first principles. Let's go, JT. Welcome back to the first principles. <laughs> Looking at you. Do you remember where? Upper yeah. airway, lower airway. Because you said that um, the upper airway has more alpha receptors and the lower has more beta receptors. There are there are no beta receptors in the upper oh, airway. It's, it's yeah. just alpha yeah. purely. But then they have more then, definitely. They have more. Mm. <laughs> just like, again, wording. Mm. So what happens when adrenaline goes and binds to this? What's going to happen? It's going to dilate. It's going to dilate. The vasoconstrict bronchodilator. Bronchodilator. Yeah. Yeah. Or as we call it, tracheodilation. Cool. True, it's not the brain. Oh, the bronchi. It's yeah. not the bronchi, right? Yeah. Okay, and the last one is admission. Only done for severe cases. And if there's no stridor, rule of thumb, no stridor, no admission. Oh, the, nice. So in the moderate, I like that. Moderate one also doesn't need admission. The, Depends. If they have stridor. We'll, we'll get to it. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to go into the specifics of management according to severity. Yeah. Starting with non-medical always, keep the child happy, all the obs, and droplet precaution. Okay, for a mild case, what do you think we're going to do? Patient education. Reassure the parents, reassure the kid. What did I say that all children get? Dex. Dex, yeah, all children, all every group case gets dexamethasone. Yeah. How much dex and how long? Okay, so you give oral dexamethasone and 0.15 milligrams per kilogram. Oh my God, weight is, wait, 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 I hate weights. It's, it's to do with weights, yeah. yeah. And that's a one-off dose. And okay. usually you'll see it improvement within 30 minutes. Yeah, okay. For mild so, cases, right? So. And then you safely discharge them with the group health fact sheet. Ah, okay. you're missing one thing. Oh, okay. yes. Missing one thing. <laughs> JT, you're telling me what are you missing? Safety netting. Safety, Safety netting. Yeah, yeah, I was going to come to that. Oh, okay. I was going to come to that. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to come to that. Um, That's so for that, Alex. You can say that later. Yes. You always, always safety net. Say these buzzwords. What does safety net mean, Alex? It's to make sure um, that if the patient gets these red flag symptoms that they come back to the clinical practice. Basically covering your ass. Fair. Right? Yeah. No, but I like her explanation. But not just red flags. Or like any other like symptoms. If they're just worried. Yeah. If they're worsening, if you're worried, please come back to ED or go see your GP, mm-hmm. right? And would you follow them up? For croup? Yeah. Would you follow them up with the GP? Always oh, yes. Yes. Yes, you always follow them up with the GP. <laughs> okay. So yeah. in about no, 48 to <laughs> 72 hours, you'll follow them up with the GP. Okay. Let's go with moderate now. Dax. Okay. No, sorry. Patient education. <laughs> no. Oh. What do you do before all of that? Let's say the stats are dropping. Oxygen. Low flow oxygen, and mm-hmm. when do you, what is the indication to give oxygen? O2 sats are dropping. Okay, there's a cutoff okay, for O2 uh, sats. Below 95. Less than 92 usually. Okay. And what do you aim for? You want to aim for 98. Above 96. Okay. Right? And then JT said, what do you give after oxygen? Oh, dex. Dex. <laughs> dex. He's like, give more oxygen. <laughs> then you give oral dex again. Dex. 
zero point one five milligrams per kilogram. Yep. Oral. What if they're vomiting? And if they improve, what do you do? Keep monitoring yeah. early OBS, reassure of the patient, reassure of the parent, safety netting. Basically, if you think of it as, as a flow chart, you just treat it as a mild case of croup. Mm. Right? Jumps into the Drops um, into the mild, mild now, yeah, and then okay. once they're after mild, you can go send them home. Yeah. GP follow-up. Usually, GP follow-up. Usually, it's four hours you observe them for, and then you send them home. What if they're deteriorating? What if they don't improve? Cough help. Call for, Call for help, and then you treat them as severe, mm. right? So they oh, drop down. Okay. What if there's no change? Definitely call for help. What if Wait. they're staying the same? They haven't changed. They haven't improved or deteriorated. What do you do? They're not improving. They're not deteriorating. Yes. Give them more decks. It's <laughs> <laughs> a single dose. <laughs> so you admit you admit them to the short stay unit for observation, and yeah, and then if they deteriorate from there, treat them, take them to resus, treat them as severe. Treat as severe. And if they improve, treat them as mild. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, mild, and then you discharge them. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, now we get into the juicy stuff. Yeah. Severe, what's the first thing you need to do? Call for help. Call for help. Dex. Okay, so four decks. <laughs> Fucking os- oxygen. Oxygen. Just repeat it. Yeah. Always <laughs> oxygen. So high flow oxygen. Yeah. Aiming for SATs above 96. High flow oxygen. Now. High, so flow, high, so high flow oxygen now. So like high flow nasal prongs. Yes. Or like you can do like 15 liters. non rebreather or whatever you want. And also high flow nasal cannula if you want, depending. Okay. It's humidified. Some, clin- some clinicians prefer this for that. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever the consultant prefers yeah. you do. What's the next thing you need to do? Dex. Put four decks. This is, it falls into ABCD assessment. Establish IV access. Establish IV access. Established IV access. And then you give DEX. IV DEX. IV DEX. Uh-huh. And this, this 0. is 0.15. milligrams per kilogram. <laughs> <laughs> I'll follow guidelines. Let's follow the guidelines. And then something else you need to give after the DEX. Adrenaline. Adrenaline. Yeah. What kind of adrenaline? Intramuscular, IV, nebulized. Nebulized. Nebulized Because you want to get to the Yeah, to get the airway. Yeah. So you give one in thousand nebulized adrenaline at 0.5 milligrams per kilogram per dose. Follow the guidelines. Follow every, guidelines. every 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then you assess oh, every 15 minutes. Then you assess right. every 15 minutes. I think. Yeah. Then you right. assess give the allotted dose every 15 minutes. Yes. According, of local guidelines. According to And them. then you <laughs> assess them every 15 minutes. Yeah. And then yes. you observe them for three hours minimum. And if they're improving, what do you do? Manage them. Jump to moderate. Actually, no. Jump to, to mild. No. Admit. No. You admit to short stay until stridor or distress decreases. Until. And then you treat them as mild. What if they're not improving? What if they're deteriorating? Recess. I see. I see you admit. <laughs> so you call them. You call the consultant to come and review them. You give them more adrenaline. You call the ICU team. ICU team. And then anesthetics. Awesome. Love the anesthetics. Why do you call anesthetics? In case need to intubate. In case need obstruction. Now, life-threatening obstruction. What do we do? Call for help. So call so for before you call for help, take them, take them to take them to resource. Yeah, take We're them to resource. Waiting for you. Yeah. yeah, take them to resource. Call them at call call ENT anesthesia anesthetic ICU team. Call them all. Start high flow oxygen, but that bilateral IV access. <laughs> then you give them IV dex at 0.6 milligrams per kilogram. <laughs> nebulized adrenaline, and then you prepare to intubate. Because mm. the anesthetic team. Anesthetics are coming down. You yeah. need to prepare them to intubate, mm-hmm. and that's a whole other topic. We're not going to go into that. So we've done medical, not medical, I'm doing surgical. What can you do surgically for these patients? Tracheostomy. Tracheostomy. Yeah. You, if, if you That's can't, surgical? If you can't secure an airway, do a tracheostomy. Yeah. Quick speed run through the principles again. Yeah. So what do all children get with crew? Dex. <laughs> they get dex. Different if, doses, local guidelines. And if you don't have dex? Prednisolone. Prednisolone. Right? And then you need to wean them off that. Yeah. <laughs> and give them a three-day course instead mm-hmm. of one-off dose. Yeah. And then your management depends on the severity and the more severe cases get adrenaline. adrenaline. 
Nice. Nebulized. Nebulized adrenaline. And then you also consider oxygen. 1,000. Keep going. You got this. And 15 minutes. And if their stats are less than 92, consider oxygen. Gotcha. High flow, low flow, depending on your clinical judgment. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're nearly done. We're going to go into complications now. Death. Death. <laughs> then you have death. You have asphyxiation, which is the same, pretty much the same thing. Death secondary to asphyxiation. <laughs> then we talked about we talked about this earlier. It's a more of a long term complication. Bacterial tracheitis. Uh, oh, yeah. Even if you treat okay. the croup, you can still okay. get a bacterial uh, tracheitis. The viral, the yeah, viral, the yeah. secondary bacterial infection, right? Gotcha. Yeah. You can yeah. also get a severe lifelong disability if they're not resuscitated promptly. Ah, uh, yes. To get airway access or not. Yeah. The last one is recurrent episodes of croup. Why do we think that? Because <laughs> they were probably more likely to get croup in the first place, and then um, or something due to the infection caused by the virus or the bacteria that predisposes them like worsens their airway to get yeah. more croup yeah in the pretty, tr- pretty much one of those reasons yeah. yeah i'm gonna go into differentials for croup we have three big ones here that you don't want to miss we have three people on the table i go with the sexy one epiglottitis damn it epiglottitis <laughs> due to yes. hemophilus influenza and then how do these kids usually present they present toxic talk what does toxic mean they look sick af drooling can't swallow mm-hmm. tripoding they're like they like just flat. Is the word toxic? Yeah, yeah the word toxic. is toxic. They look toxic. And is that reserved for like really sick, sick kids? kids. Oh, okay. Like think right. septic kid. Yeah. Um, so excessive drilling, tripoding, and they appear toxic. Yeah. And this is when your vaccination history comes in. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's quite important to know. Okay. Adrian got epiglottitis. Jeez. There's two more. Finding it out. Nice, sexy. Is this like steak? Steak. There could be eating steak. Yeah, you can have this if you eat steak. <laughs> I don't know. You could have a chicken as well. Do you know it? This is one of the differentials. Steak. Yeah. It is. Wait, know? what? No, I'm completely lost. What you, you tell you say? Yeah, what is Foreign body of Inhaled, inhaled oh. foreign body, yeah. Inhaled foreign body. <laughs> okay, moving on. Okay. I thought okay. I gave you the easy one, but so, now I don't know what the third one is. How would you pull that out from history? An inhaled foreign uh, body. Just ask him. Surely that's one of them. It's like, did you, did you ever take your eyes off your yeah, kid? Yeah, your eyes off kid. And also the history that's not consistent with the RT prodrome. But the catch mm. here is 20% of kids with croup don't have the prodrome. So that's why, if the treatment's not working, mm. think about the differential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? The last one for Alex. <laughs> oh, um, anaphylaxis. Anaphylaxis. Uh, <laughs> so what, what do you look out for from a kid with anaphylaxis? Like respiratory distress, obviously. Um, what else? Okay. Um, decreased concentration. Angioedema, is that it? Anti- yeah, angioedema, stridor, and hoarseness in the voice. Uh, okay. The real kicker difference here is the angioedema. You don't get angioedema in mm. group. Mm. But the other two mm-hmm. you can get in group. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So that's when you need to do a thorough and the bed exam before. You see peanut butter on the grubby little head. <laughs> yes. But it can be due to a known or an unknown allergy. Yeah. Right? Yep. So you don't always know. Use your clinical judgment. Okay, we're at the end. Three takeaways. Number one. Croup classically presents with a prodrome of an ERT, upper respiratory tract infection, barking cough, plus or minus stridor. Number two is all children with a croup should receive steroids. DEX if available, or a three-day course of prednisolone if you don't have DEX. Number three, if croup does not fit the picture, think of other differentials. What are those three differentials, Alex? Good question. Anaphylaxis, foreign, foreign body. <laughs> I love how that's going to be a thing yeah. now. And the last one is epiglottitis. Yep, excellent. And if you want more information on this, Please refer to the resources section in the Notion page. On PM.wiki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're done. Nice. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jay. We are abrupt. Thanks, Jay. There we go. Oh, was that abrupt ending?
Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and share it with your friends. It helps us get discovered and helps more medical students with understanding their first principles. Check out 1pm.wiki and for all your first principles, keep it right here at 1pm.